You're listening to the True Life Church Podcast. To learn more about True Life Church, including our service times in Melbourne, Florida, join us online at truelifemelbourne.com or find us on Facebook. Today's message comes from lead pastor Joshua Smith. kind of been in chapter one. We call it, we had three messages on that. We'll talk about it in a second. Chapter two, and today begins chapter three, and we're going to finish out this wait here until called series, you know, so you want to think about maybe like Star Wars, you know, in, in a way. You have episodes one, two, three, four, five, six, the good ones, and then seven, eight, nine, And so uh, our, our first message in this series, just to recap, was voice recognition. And we talked about how important it is to know the voice of the Lord and to read the Word, all right? And how often, or how easy rather, it is to, to recognize other voices, you know, from anything from Arnold Schwarzenegger to Sir David Attenborough to, oh boy, <laughs> Mickey Mouse, whatever it is, it's easy for us to recognize those voices, but do we know when, when God is speaking to us? Do we know, do we know when the Holy Spirit is moving us to action? The second week we talked about waiting here until call, that was kind of the, the title message of this series, but how important it is for this word kavah, the waiting And we talked about people like David and Abraham and Joseph and how long they waited for God's promises to come true in their life. And we need to be willing to wait. It's almost like we're, you know, we're waiting for God to teach us patience. That'll sink in later. (laughs) Keep waiting for God to teach me patience, but it hasn't happened yet. We can't force God's will, or we shouldn't rather, try to force God's will into our timing. We need to wait upon the Lord. The third message in chapter 1 was simply just called called. There's hopefully an understanding or a realization for you that we are all called into the ministry. Some rare percentage of us are fortunately or unfortunately, depending on your location or placement, called into full-time vocational ministry. I consider myself fortunate. I've been in situations where I wasn't so. But we are all called into ministry. Evangelism and gospel, as we're talking about a little bit later today, is not simply the responsibility of that guy, the pastor. It is a shared responsibility between all of us. We are all involved in the same ministry. In chapter 2, we talked about how we are called in. Often you're called into a doctor's office. You leave the waiting room where you've been waiting, waiting here until called, and then you're called. You're called back into the see the doctor for whatever's going on. You have a checkup. You're, you're called into a huddle if you're part of a team, and that means you're playing. You're not part of the bench. You're called into a meeting. That means you have a value around the table, or you're, you're called into be a select group of like planning a surprise party type of thing. All right? You're, you're on the DL. You're ready to celebrate. And you and I have been called in, called into this fellowship, this celebration every week of who God is and what God is doing in our lives, in our church, in our families, and in our community. You've been called into this, you have value around the table. Then we talked about how we are called from things. Out of the old, into the new, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Behold, the old is gone, the new has come. You are a new creation in Christ. And how you and I should be living in the new. We are called from doing the old things. We are called from sin. We are called from bad habits. We are called from gossip, from lust, from slander, from you know, addiction. We are called from those things to new things, healthy things, godly things. And we rounded out chapter 2 with called 2. And how 
at the very bare minimum, basic rules, some things we need to get straight. We are called to God-centered families. Our husbands, we are called to love. We are called to sacrifice. Though often we find it too easy to be selfish. Wives, we are called to respect, called to submit to godly authority if our husband's given it. So guys, you know where the book stops. Children, you're called to listen and to obey. And how important that is. Again, we're in the process of teaching my four-year-old that on an hourly basis. And if that's true for my son or my sons as children, how important is it then for us all as children of God who know Him, who are brought into relationship with Him, to all listen, to all obey. And there's a broken and fractured infrastructure of families out there. Broken homes, separated, divorce, child support, alternating schedules, abuse, you go, the list goes on. We are called into being a part of the remedy for that. So we're going to continue into chapter 3 today, the last three messages of this series, called up, called out, and then finally called home. So today we're going to be talking about called up. And when you're called up, not called in, not called from, not called to, what direction are you going? Yes, just so we're clear, all right? So make sure no one's directionally challenged, all right? We're called up. We are going higher. And nowadays, people work from Starbucks or work from home or telecommute and telehealth and television and and tell a friend. And anyway, people were working all different types of places, but up until just you know a couple of years ago, there were these things called skyscrapers. And they're still there, right? Not in Melbourne. But the higher you went up in the office floors, the more, more prestige, more status you had. Or the corner office was often the sought-after thing, so you could look out two sides simultaneously. You're called up into the ranks in the military. First lieutenant, second lieutenant, private, first class, corporal. And you ascend the ranks. You go, you go this way unless you do something stupid. You get a demotion. And then you go this way, right? We're, you're called up in the military. You're, you're called up to maybe from second string to first string i.e. Caleb Williams, the quarterback at Oklahoma. He sat behind what's-his-face, Spencer, for a little bit. That's a joke. You don't get it if you follow college f- football. His name is Spencer Rattler, so I rattled. There you go. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. <laughs> so he was sitting second string, but now he was called up, called up to be first string. Stetson Bennett, too, with my University of Georgia Bulldogs he was sitting behind J.T. Daniels, but J.T. Daniels got a boo-boo. And he was called up, and now even J.T. Daniels is healthy, but he's still our starting quarterback. I have mixed feelings about this, but there he is. Sesson Benny's called up to first string. Called up maybe from an assistant coach to a head coach. And this is normal, right? We, we, we know this in everyday life. Promotions and wanting to be called up to say what's next. What's the next level? And when we're called up, it's a combination of these three things. When you're called up, you have an elevation of authority. You have an elevation of perspective. You have an elevation of responsibility. And those three things combine to equal this word, leadership. Authority, meaning you have the ability to make decisions affecting more people or more things than just yourself. Perspective. You see things a little bit differently. You're looking at it uh, not as much from a low level, but like a pilot, maybe the 30,000 foot level. You can see beyond the higher up you go. 
as mankind just a generation ago was pushing the boundaries of space and discovering that, hey, there's weightlessness and gravity kind of goes away and the higher up you go, the bigger perspective you have. One of these satellites they, they sent out into space is, is the Voyager series of satellites. As they shot these off in the 1970s to try to reach the expanse of our own little solar system, sending little signals back past Jupiter, one of these Voyager spacecraft, they programmed it to turn around and look at Earth. And this photo that it took and sent back is called the little blue speck. If you want to look at something later, you say type it little blue speck or pull out your iPhone or maybe your Android right now if it works and pull that out and, and type in little blue speck. And you'll, you'll see this image there and it's just a sea of, of stars and then somewhere in there, if you know exactly where you're looking, is this little dot. And this little blue speck is earth. Every person you've ever known, everyone who ever lived, everything that's ever been written about in any history book ever has happened on this little blue speck. Kind of puts things into perspective, doesn't it? The higher up you go, the different perspective you have. And we're called up to a different perspective and finally more responsibility. The higher up you go in this thing called leadership, you have responsibility for others. Non-commissioned officers, guys in charge of maybe a platoon or a squad of you know five to eight guys, then they rise up the ranks. And we see that if you've ever seen the series or read the book Band of Brothers by Stephen E. Ambrose. We get to read about that in Colonel Winters. He starts off as, as, as just a guy and then eventually is in charge of not just a squad, not just a little section, but then eventually a whole company of 120-plus men now responsible to Captain Winters. He's responsible for those men and making decisions as best he can for their well-being. And you and I are called to this because the Christian walk is ultimately one of leadership. Think about that for a second. The Christian walk is ultimately one of leadership. Well, how is that true? Well, because, and we're not going to turn there, but Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission, right? Going all the world, making disciples of all nations, right? Our job is making disciples. Therefore, we must be leading, mentoring, apprenticing the next generation of Christ followers. Sometimes this next generation is older than you are. But we're ultimately responsible to be leading someone else for Christ. We'll talk about that in a minute. Dwight D. Eisenhower... General from World War II, and hopefully you're aware that he was one of our presidents, wrote in his book, Bits and Pieces, in order for a leader, in order to be a leader, a man must have followers. And to have followers, a man must have their confidence. Hence, the supreme quality of a leader is unquestionably integrity. Without it, no real success is possible. No matter whether it is on a section gang, on a football field, in an army, or in an office. If a man's associates find him guilty of phoniness, if they find he lacks forthright integrity, he will fail. His teachings and actions must square with each other. The first great need, therefore, is integrity and high purpose. If we're going to lead someone, you've got to have integrity. You can't be phony. And unfortunately, you may agree with me that there are a substantial amount of phony Christ followers in America. 
people who say one thing and do another, people who don't act any type of way, biblically, on a consistent basis, people who are scared to talk to their friend or coworker about Jesus, because it's, I mean, if it's really the most important relationship, why would we be scared about talking about it? And no one will follow anyone who's phony. Twitter and TikTok and YouTube and all these other things, they're just about to, their goal is to have, increase your influence, right? To have more followers. But influence is not the same as leadership. We have been called to lead. There's a sign that hangs in our hallway. I'm not sure if you've read it often. It's about how our church is not in the business of just attracting more sheep. We should be about calling up more shepherds, more leaders, leaders in the home, leaders in the workplace leaders in the schools, leaders in the community. And you all are already placed there. Think about that. Everyone who's here today at True Life Church, you already have a place in our community, working, serving, being retired, being a grandparent, being a parent, in the workforce, stay-at-home moms, teachers, engineers. You're, you're already placed to where a True Life Church can have a wide impact in our community with just a small group of people. But only if we're willing to lead. You want to see our church change and grow? We need to have leaders. We want to see our community change. It needs to be led. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And there's, there's just three or four short passages we're going to be looking at today, but out of a couple of these, if you want a memory verse or two, they're going to be in there for you. Some things that you can just write down on a post-it note, put it up in your, you know, in the mirror of your bathroom or on your, you know, the steering wheel of your car. A couple of short one-liners that are already given to us in God's Word that are so important for us. Second Timothy chapter two, beginning in verse twenty-two. And as you turn there, Paul is writing this letter to his former assistant ish associate named Timothy. And this is the second letter we're reading where Paul wrote Timothy. And as Paul, a lot the, the Pauline letters or the epistles, um, Paul wrote, and if you ever read something like 1 Corinthians or Ephesians or Galatians, Paul is writing to actually an entire church. But there's a couple of books like, Titus, or 1st and 2nd Timothy, right? These aren't churches, these are persons. Now, Timothy has been left in charge of the church in Ephesus, which around that time numbered just shy of about 100,000 people. Best estimates are also that Timothy was somewhere around age 30, Age 30, new faith, new place in charge of about 100,000 people in house churches spread around this community. It's pretty important, right? So Paul's writing letters, say, hey, I'm going to try to speak into your life. So we get to see a little bit about this, about why leadership and godly leadership, more importantly, 
is important and then our role in that. So verse 22, he writes, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. Some of you might need just that as a personal takeaway today and not hit post comment on social media because you know where it's going to lead. So just stop it. Verse 24, And the Lord's servant, and argue that, Yes, no? It might be a question you have to answer outside of this space, if you really are. But the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil. There's some of the waiting. Correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them, the opponents, repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses, realize that the world is messed up and there is a better way, and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So the Lord's servant, you and I, must be not quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. Might be a great lesson. Able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. So the first thing I want you to take away today with is you need to be able, able to teach. I say, well, I'm, I never went to seminary, right? To which I would respond, neither did I, right? You say, well, I, I don't feel that educated, never graduated college, which I would say, neither did I. You might say, I don't feel that, that smart, there are other people better equipped than you, To which I would say, yes, there are. But does that change what you've been called to do? You and I must be able to teach. Now, it doesn't mean extrapolate the mysteries of the universe from the Word of God and stand up and just spew out unbelievable knowledge and wisdom. What it does mean is that at the very least, you are one step ahead of someone else. Just one. And you might be new to the faith. You might be a new Christian or just trying to understand what's going on. Well, then you're responsible to lead the person who has no idea what's going on, who has no idea who Jesus is. And there are people in America today who, you might not believe it, don't know who Jesus is. There is someone that God has already placed in your life who you already know this very second you could lead that person. And you don't have to know everything. But I guarantee you, you know your story. You know your history, right? You know your life. And if God has changed your life, then share that story. And let that lead into a gospel conversation to simple passages like John 3.16 and 17. And just read that with somebody else. Have a conversation with somebody else. Lead somebody else. You got to be able. Say be able. able. Right. Did it say be good? No. Did it say be the best? No. It says be a, an amazing, motivational, competent speaker? No. You gotta be able. You gotta be able. And if you know Christ and are made a new creation, guess what? You are able. Whether or not you've woken up to that realization or actually owned that identity, maybe that's one of the things that changes for you today. If I was going to be honest, and I will, because we talked about earlier, integrity is important. 
I was going to be honest. I would share with you that you don't know the numbers of times I'm up here when all my preparation and my notes go out the window. And I got to listen to the Holy Spirit. Change what I'm going to say. Not say what I was going to say. Say new things I hadn't planned on saying. Ed, you probably know this. I was a, as a pastor, former pastor-ish, but still in the ministry, like we just talked about. A growing dear friend of mine. And there's days you get up here and you know what? Now i got to listen to the Holy Spirit. I'm called to lead differently. And it might require me to be in my uncomfortable spot. To be vulnerable. That's okay. Doesn't have to be perfect. Doesn't have to be polished. But I am standing up here in my purpose. And my prayer is that you will too. You got to be able. And if you know Christ, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. You got to be able. I want to invite up three people, or it was three people. I saw him. Where'd he go? Did he go to the bathroom again? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, every time. This is a joke. So, like, there's been, like, Zach, hurry up, bro. Every time. Here's he coming. Yay! Come on up. Come on up real quick. Ty- Tyler. Uh, Harrison, can y'all come up real quick? Oh, you yes, you 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 dumb been volunteered. Come on up, y'all, y'all three, come on up. Yeah, we're joking about that. I'm like, ah, I look over, I'm like, I knew you were sitting right there. I look there, and there's no Zach. I'm like, ah, he's in the bathroom. You do have great timing. All right, thank you all for coming up. Everyone say hi, Tyler. Everyone say hi, Harrison. Everyone hi. Hi, Zach. (laughs) All right. I'm going to ask you a little trivia here. What do these three men have in common? One at a time. Beard? Okay, not what I'm... Yes, but not what I'm going for. And there'll be a few things. What else do they have in common? Come on. They're all male. Okay. Rachel, go leave. Leave, Rachel. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, initially, we're like, okay, they're all wearing clothes. Yes. And they're all male. Yes. Two of them are tall. Yes. All right. All right. Uh, all married. Yes. All right. And so, initially, superficially, we're like, we're going to look at these surface level things. All right. Do we ever jump to, they're all Christ followers? Is that the thing that they have in common? The thing they have in common? Now, yes, separately from that, Rachel, <laughs> read my notes. These, these three men have all been baptized here at True Life Church. All right? And while they're up here, but you're not free yet, sorry. Yay. Um, it's about to get worse. Um, while, while they're up here, I want to take a moment to say we set a, we set a goal in the beginning of, of this year. Say, we're going to set out to baptize 12 people this year. This last weekend, we as a church have done that. Yeah. Two of those are, are up here. Uh, but Molly... Last weekend baptized, Tyler, Amanda, Colton out there. 
Josh Bowman, Joshy, Allison Coble, Chris Seidel, Harrison, Chrissy out there too, Virginia. I think I saw her somewhere. Maybe. Yeah, there she is. Okay. Um, Oliver and Penelope Decatur, 12. How fantastic is that? There's still a couple months left. So just because we've got to 12, yes. But it, so these three men have, have the, the greatest thing they have in common. It's not that they're married. It's not that they're male. It's not that they're clothed though that is important. (laughs) It's the identity they share in being Christ followers. And I brought them up here, invited them up here forcibly (laughs) or on the spot because because I know. I can't speak for everyone because I don't necessarily know, but these three men have been baptized here at True Life Church. So, Ryan, I'm going to turn on yellow. Okay. Okay. So, um, Zach, I'll start with you. Okay. You can hold it. All right. Cool. <clears throat> What's our sermon? Our sermon? Yeah. What are you going to preach about? What am I going to preach about? Yeah. Uh, uh, Teach him. I'm not prepared. You want to pass? I'll, yeah, sure. Okay. I'll pass. All right, Harrison. <laughs> What do, you, what do you want to preach? What do you want to preach, Adam? Um, Jesus. <laughs> Any, anything else? Anything else? Are you good with that? Yeah, we own, we own a lot. <laughs> okay, if you want to, you're, you're welcome to pass if you want. Tyler, what are you, pre- what are you preaching, man? He stole mine. <laughs> You're preaching what? He stole mine. He stole yours. Oh, okay. You're going to go Jesus as well. Yeah. Okay. Any, any, anything else? No, that's it. Okay. So it's fun to, to laugh. I'm already... It's fun, it's fun to laugh, but, you know, um, I'm, not, I'm not picking on it. I want to be clear about that. I, I picked you because I value you, and I feel like all three of y'all can, can stand up here with me from what we're going to talk about in a second. What do you see? You're up here. What's different than being out there? There's a height difference. There's a height difference, yeah. especially for you. Yeah. yeah? Um, everybody's looking at me. If you, everybody's looking at you, yeah? Yeah? It's not anything else, man. It's really bright, right? Yeah, right You're yeah. probably yeah. welcome to how few, how little you can actually yeah. see from up here, especially during the worship. Yeah, but that's good. Yeah. Anything else? So we're higher. Which, dire- which direction are you facing? The way you used to face, or a new direction? Yeah. New direction. New, new direction, right? And 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 what can you see in this new direction? A lot of faces. You can yeah. you can see a lot. Your perspective has changed, right? So in the leadership, again, we're as we leave, you're talking about three different things changing: authority. Responsibility and perspective. And all these things in a matter of moments have been a big shift from being out there, right? Mm-hmm. The reality is, is that this stage is not big enough to hold every single one of you, but this is where you are. You are on the platform for the gospel every day. Fran Tarkenton, the famous Georgia quarterback who went on to start the Minnesota Vikings football team, where he played for, I think, 17 years. He said, every day is game day. You and I are all on the platform for the gospel. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I, I called them up here because of the passage that we're about to read. Turn with me to 2 Timothy. It's just the page after where we were. 2 Timothy, now chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. And Paul continues, says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom. Here we go, verse 2, this is kind of the one-liners. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. 
having itching ears, they like to hear what they like to hear. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. This makes me feel good. This isn't convicting. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded and you are suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Now again, I picked on these three wonderful gentlemen to come up here. Because again, this, this platform is not big enough to hold every person. But if I had asked every person to come up without a show of hands, I don't want to see it, how many would have been ready to preach the word? The number is probably smaller than we would like to admit. Right? Maybe we can agree on that. But you've been called to it. Be ready. My elders know, hey, have a sermon in your back pocket. Because Josh isn't healthy 52 weeks of the year. You got to be ready. A couple weeks ago that happened. All right? It went to Lance. Then Lance went sick. Then it went to Brad. Within 18 hours, he was like, boop, nope, boop, nope. Hey, Brad. So Brad was like, hey. Right? And he did a great job. But you got to be ready. And that's not just set aside for an elder. That's set aside for a Christ follower. Be ready in season and out of season. Be ready to preach the word. So we said the first one was you got to be able, right? And if you're a Christ follower, you're able. Be able. The second is be ready. Be ready. And if you don't have like an index card level something that you can pull out of a back pocket in a second to the person in Walmart line or the aisle that you're talking to, if you don't have something that you can pull out immediately and say, hey, it's not a tract. I'm not going to hand you a pamphlet that you're going to throw away. I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to speak truth into your life. I'm going to have a conversation. You know, in fact, I'm going to build relationship. I want to know your name. Kind of get your digits in a non-creepy-like way, where I can stay in touch with you. you got to be ready, in season and out of season. Imagine what, would, what it would be like if every one of us went home today, and instead of going trick-or-treating for candy, you wrote a sermon. Yes, you wrote a sermon. Does it have to be great? No. Does it have to be long? No, that's my job. <laughs> it's got to be truthful. It's got to be authentic. It's got to be you. It's got to be the Word of God. Be able. Be ready. So thanks again, gentlemen, who came up here for, to help us illustrate that point. I'm not picking on you. This is a wake-up call for our church. Church, be ready. Because guess what? You may be preaching this next week. Maybe not on this platform, but on the platform that you already stand on. In front of other friends, other family, other co-workers, other schoolmates. You're on it. Every day is game day. Be ready. So be able. Be ready. And now we're going to land at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to begin in verse 23, which is the end of chapter 10, so that we can just get to verse 1 of chapter 11. And this is one of the things that annoys me, to be honest, about how they split up the verses in the Bible. Because Paul didn't write verse 5. <clears throat> la, 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 la. Chapter 4. Like, it didn't, you know, he didn't write it like that. It's a letter. He's just speaking letters. And if we chopped up what we were supposed to say and then... Split it up into something else. It's like, what? Why? 
Why do that? So this is one of the sections. We're going to start in chapter 10, verse 23, so we can actually land in what we call chapter 11. Or if you're listening to the Bible guy on the verse, the Bible app or whatever, couldn't they find anyone more interesting? Like, I'm sorry, just to... It's the word of God. Don't put me to sleep. All right, so chapter 10, 1 Corinthians, verse 23. All things are lawful, Paul writes, but not all things are helpful. And this is so true today. Like the law says, I can do this. The law says you can smoke weed. Is it helpful? I don't know, man. Maybe. Maybe. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. This is a big deal for them back in the day. Where did the meat come from, right? They didn't have the health standards or the FDA like we have today to ensure common safety practices. All right? Where does the meat come from? And then also, based on the, the Jewish culture or the non-Jewish culture, they had different things that they were allowed to eat, and that goes back to Levitical law and blah, blah, blah. So here we go. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It's all God's. And if one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner, hey, come with me to Applebee's, or come to my house, right? And you are disposed to go eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then don't eat it. For the sake of the one who has informed you and for the sake of conscience. Now, I don't mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If you want a verse to meditate on, you can think about that one later. Verse 30. If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do all to the glory of God. Say it with me. Do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or Greeks or the church of God. Don't, don't run around putting all everybody down. You're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Though they may be. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Finally, chapter 11. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Follow me, he says, as I follow Christ. Was Paul perfect? Was Paul perfect? No. Are you perfect? No. But he's writing here, say, I might be a step or two ahead. I've been in the faith, not necessarily longer, maybe by the point of this writing, than a lot of other people, right? But remember, Paul was not what we'll call an apostle. He wasn't one of the 12 that spent time with Jesus. He had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And his life was changed from being a Christ-following, hunting, killing Pharisee to a gospel-spreading evangelist. God changed his life. He says, you know, I'm, I'm not perfect. I've been shipwrecked. I've done a whole, been a whole bunch of different places, a whole bunch of different people. And there's a whole past where he did the things that we just talked about. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. I'm not the way, but there is the way. And at least of what I can do, let me show you the way. So church, we got to be ready. We got to be able. And we have to be imitators, not now of Paul, but of God's word. Because this is the bigger expanse of what Paul was talking about. Now we have this to go on. And that letter that Paul is writing to Timothy, he's writing to you and he's writing to me. Be imitators of the Word of God. Be imitators of Christ. What Christ has called us to do. Because as Eisenhower's quote laid out for us, there's no room for phoniness. We are called to a Christ-filled integrity walk of leadership. Making disciples of all nations, teaching them. Right? Do you know that verse? We gotta be able to teach. We gotta be ready to teach. And we have to be imitating what we're teaching. 
Church, you are called. You are set apart. Holy nation, a royal priesthood, you are called. Secondly, you are called to lead. Because ultimately, the Christ-following walk is one about leadership. You should be leading someone else. And if you don't know who that someone else is, you got some work to do. But there is someone else who I guarantee you already know. You don't have to go searching. You are called to lead. I want to pause here really quickly because, again, leading is not influencing. We live in a culture where more followers you have, the more popular you are, and TikTok, and YouTube, and all that other kind of stuff. I'm thankful because we're to the point now. So September 21st of this year, I've been here seven years. Seven years at True Life Church. Facebook told me that a couple months ago. (laughs) I had lost track of time. Seven years I've been here. What do I have to show for it? I have you to show for it. Take the building. Take the bank. Take the budget. And I'm thankful for my time here. Seven years. Anyone itchy yet? (laughs) Itching for a new pastor. (sighs) And again, so I'm, I'm thankful after seven years and last week or today and now this next week coming up I can take a breath and I wasn't in the band this morning which is a spot I've been in for a long time I'm not in the band next week because we have a talented team praise be to God we have a talented team who's growing and leading and stepping up into that and I got to go to Starbucks this morning I got to get here on 945 this morning Whew, that's what that feels like, huh? That is good. That is nice. Y'all lucky. All right, so I got to uh, come here, you know, I got to Starbucks, and I'm walking into Starbucks, and it's one of those moments where I should have done the mobile order, you know? I look at the drive through line, and I, I guess I'll just go in. And so I go in, and I put in my order, and I'm standing there, and I look over, and there's a guy I'm friends with on Facebook, I know him, first name and last name. I say, hey, first name, last name. How are you? And he's like, (laughs) I'm like, Josh Smith, uh, True Life Church. Oh, okay. Friends with so-and-so. Oh, okay. Okay. I had to reintroduce myself to someone who I am friends with on Facebook. (laughs) Anyone ever had a moment like that? (laughs) Yeah, so awkward. Anyway, I'm like, wow. So I'm friends with this person on Facebook. They don't know me. And I might not know their name, but they don't know mine. Just because people are, in this day and age, following you doesn't mean you are leading them. And influencing is not the same as leading. Because true leadership, true leadership requires relationship. This is why when everything was said and done, Jesus had been on the cross and rose from the dead, the church numbered only 120. Now that number is not exactly a coincidence if you think about it, right? Because really, there weren't 12 disciples, apostles at that point. There were only 11, right? One had... Another one done, and another one done, and another one. All right, so Judas had already made his choice. So there's, there's not 12, there, there's 11. And what that means is that each 
disciple at that point, each of the 12, now 11, is basically, if you think about it, has a numerical of like a 10 to 1 at most, right? So you have a church of 120 people. 10 to 1, 11 to 1. And that's why Jesus chose 12. That's probably, and, and, and science will back this up in sociological studies, say your sphere of influence can only really be 12 meaningful relationships, 25 friendships, and 50 acquaintances. True leadership is built around relationship. Start leading the people you're already in relationship with. Be in a small group. Start a Bible study with your family members. I already know one in this church that does that. It's awesome. Start some up at school with the friends you already have. The coworkers you already go to lunch with once a week. Say, hey, what if on Tuesdays when we go to me and Tito's, what if we talk Bible instead of just eat taquitos? You okay with that? Okay, I don't know everything. But we can learn together. Church, you are called. You are called to lead. And most importantly, you are called to lead others towards Christ. It's not leading without a point. It's not leading the way you would want to lead. It's leading the way that this calls us to lead. It's leading towards a life that this calls us to live. It's leading towards a relationship with the Savior that they need to have because it should change everything, right? Church, you are called to lead. You are called to lead others towards Christ. Not influence them, lead them. So you got to be able. You got to be ready. You got to be imitators of the word. Who's preaching next week? Say, I am. Yeah. Again, it might not be on Sunday, but be ready in season and out of season. Sound good? Go write a sermon. Let's invite the band up as we pray.